0: Live from Derbyshire. This is the Sunday Lunch Show with Brent Poland, and you are listening live. Sunday Lunch Show with me, Brent Poland, and Alan
1: Spence. And today we're going to discuss, or oh, for debate, this one. This, uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion, hopefully, about it: whether people are become more violent, or whether we're just more aware of it. What type of violence are we talking about? So, just tune in and talk it out with me, Brent, and Adam, the Sunday
2: Lunch
0: Show. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio hashtag TT Radio.
3: Good afternoon and uh, i hope you're all well and uh, me and brent finally break up for half term yay uh, which is uh, which is great news uh i think uh, watching everyone else break up was was heart wrenching last week um uh, but i'm really glad to break up i was really actually on my knees towards the, towards the end of towards the end of next last week which is um so half term awakens
1: half term is awakened yep. yes and, um, and of she's... course there are some going back tomorrow yep. so i'm sure you've got your uh your your sort of dreads of going back and you know, um but good luck to you if you are one of those ones going back tomorrow and uh, and those of us like ourselves who are having our half term this week well good luck and you know trying to get a place in center parks yeah. or wherever you're going or whatever break you're having it's interesting seeing some Maybe of my we colleagues. should
3: do what other people do last week we should post all our holiday photos yeah let's <laughs> well, see some of my
1: colleagues you know one's gone to dublin and and, and as i say it's the, the most expensive city in the world because everything's twice the price everything's twice the price you see what it see what it did there Dub- dublin dublin twice the price so yeah. um what we're looking at now is is uh, this came from a conversation from uh me ringing in to to midnight radio which i tend to do every once in a while um the presenters of certain national radio station have yeah. got me on quick dial. Yeah, they know you don't they know me yeah so and, and they know my, my topics as well but I felt obliged because it was. I felt it was being very, very uh, kid bashing and children bashing and kids these days. And, and as a teacher of you know of, of a certain vintage, I, I get very upset when I when I see young people getting rounded upon. I feel defensive of them. I feel loyal towards them. I feel as if I should stand up for their rights. And I don't like it when I hear the snowflake this or kids these days that. And and I and I think we have to always take, taper things with a. A sort of uh, what we'd call it, a pinch of salt so what today has come out of is, is actually that conversation and the realization that maybe i might be wrong I I, I I don't think i am i hope i'm not I, if i am wrong then we're in a whole world of trouble because the, the question was you know there was about um youth crime and, and certain news stories about young man an older old man coming and he's challenged these young people and these young people have then gone and stabbed this gentleman and pretty horrific and a couple of cases have reached the media of, you know, young hoodlums, um, you know, when challenged have, have reacted and then hit somebody, you know, and it's, and you hear these stories all the time, but it also makes me think, well, actually these stories have always happened. You know, you've always had known that there's, you know, young hoodlums and, and, and young people involved in, in sort of violence. And, and my take was, I remember a couple of years ago researching into it about the lead petrol theory, that actually sustained. Yeah, I didn't know this until you sent to me earlier on the week. It's, it's, yeah. it's a stunning, amazing hypothesis that actually young people have become less violent. And anecdotally, being a certain vintage teacher of, of, of nearly two decades, I've noticed that on the playground there have been less actual physical fights. And I've thought that, that the world's become more online, more um, the type of bullying that happens now, the type of aggression that happens now, it was aggression online, uh, social media, that type of stuff. But then we had a couple of situations where a couple of fights made national media, one particular where, where the girl had her cornrows pulled out and that led to a huge furore in, in, in a school where adults got involved and a child as young as 10. And, and watching that footage back, it's quite brutal to see like a 10 year old dressed in their tracksuit, pull their tracksuit, you know, trousers up and then start to basically stamp on somebody's head it reminded me of a scene of the the, the hollywood movie american history x with edward norton you know yeah, yeah. stamping somebody in the head it was, yeah. it was it was vicious i'll be honest it was hard to watch and and the, the education sector was tagged into that it's like come on we have to do something about this and the school got criticized because they didn't break it up even though it was 100 yards away from the school i think the guys the, in the the weekly review discussed that last week yeah. in the weekly review so this has been coming for a while with this idea of What's going on in our schools? Are our schools more violent? Are our children more violent? Is our society more violent? And it's a very broad question. Hence, why you know I felt obliged yeah. to, to defend young people. Well, but should, am I right? I well, mean, should we
3: have a little listen to your LBC clip, and yeah. then we've got a uh, live Twitter poll up on uh, Twitter at the moment for this show, and just asking the question: Are people getting more violent? Um, and then we'll kind of see if we can have that discussion as we go through the show. But let's just hear Brent's uh, on um, LBC. Post midnight, Brent in Derby. What do you have to say, my friend?
0: Hello, my friend. Hi. Um, I, I have a hypothesis about this, and I think, to be honest with you, the vast majority of young people I've come across in my 20-year teaching career are fantastic young people. But don't get me wrong, I've had that taught individuals who then got on to commit. The embryonic stages of that when they are younger, but the bulk of young people are absolutely fine. And in fact, statistically speaking, this generation is the most timid generation in existence. What? And well, yeah, it is. As a whole, timid. thing. Yes, as a whole. Well, we spent most of lockdown. We spent most of lockdown indoors. Could you imagine my generation being locked down indoors for a couple of, couple of months? Are you joking? Well, I, 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 I would I would take issue with you saying that they're timid now. This lot didn't sound very timid. Oh, no, seriously. Seriously, I, I, I spent all day with them. They are, the majority. Now, this is the thing. The majority of children are. But we do have a hard core. But we always had a hard core. Four schools were but did 14- did, did, and 15-year-olds stab other 14- and 15-year-olds to death? Yeah. Violent crime has existed since when? Violent crime has existed. But not, to, but not at this age, Brent. Yes. Really? We, we, I mean, the, what, the Bulgers in the 1990s, what was that? We've always had, this is the thing, with the media now, we report things a lot more, we're aware of things a lot more. It's like everything else. Did you it's say the Bulgers? What, Jamie they, Bulger? You, yes. What no, but was that, that? That, was, that was a sort of very rare, extraordinarily horrible, violent thing from two young thugs. This is, this is every day. It, every day in certain areas, so? but not the bulk majority of the country. The majority of our young people are not like that. We have, of course, got some individuals who are under the lines of county lines. Yes, there is problematic some areas, but the bulk of our young people are not like this. And in fact, murder rates globally and aggression in young people globally has declined. And they reckon the hypothesis led in petrol. Led All in right. well, 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 tell me whether or not you think... If you see some some of these boys behaving like this lot were, should you intervene and tell them off? I would leave it up to the individual whether they're confident enough to do that. I personally would, be, oh. because I, I deal with young people every day, and and, and that's what I've done for, for a living for the last 30, 20 yeah. odd years. No, no. Mm. But at the same time, I would always advise somebody, if it's up to them, to be confident. Remember, the thing about every young person, and this is the thing you have to understand is, inside of a young person there was once a little boy or a little girl mm. and and they are a human being and if you can reach through them and i know i'm saying that bleeding hardly but you can reach through them even even adolf hitler was a mummy's boy oh, come on. you know so he was he was a mummy's <laughs> boy <damn> so <laughs> <laughs> can i read you a quote go on Just, from my hands don't tell me no okay no. The children now love luxury, they have bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders and low chatter in places of exercise. Children now parents, not the servants of the household. They no longer rise when their elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, they chat up the poor company, they gobble up the daisies at the table, they cross their legs and tyrannise their teachers. Where did that come from? Uh, Dickens Socrates. Okay. A bit further back. But to be honest with you, crossing years. your legs and arguing with your with your parents is a bit different to stabbing a
3: man who's just come out of a toilet. Anyway, look. Oh, no, I take the point. Right. For the there's a question we were just talking. Um, is when do you sleep, Brandon?
1: I don't. I'm I, I I'm a, <laughs> a three or four hour night type of guy. I I tend to tend to go to bed quite late. I'm bit of a bit of a, uh, bit of a I get good quality sleep so i take uh, that's a show in itself is sure. how many hours sleep do, do, do you know you know as a parent how many yeah. hours sleep do you get as well um the, the context of that of course is is that i, I have a, a good, good rapport mostly with most of the presenters of other radio shows and they have me on a a, a dialogue sometimes <laughs> yeah so and i like ringing into one of the reasons why i like doing this is I like, I like i like it's
3: on a radio affair is that what you do? well <laughs>
1: Sorry, Adam. Sorry. I'm not I'm I'm betraying you, all right, my, 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 my co-radio host. But the, the thing of it is, is that I felt that, and I do feel that we sometimes condemn every generation and people get to a certain age, and even amidst that, as a it was like, maybe is it my age? And, and it's like the year seven children always get it from the year 11 children who look back and go, we weren't like that when we were year sevens. And I do think society sometimes just piles on to young people and criticizes them. So that's what I was trying to do. But the question is, am I wrong? Am I wrong in defending this generation? Are our children becoming more violent? And and the more I think about it, the more I may have made an error of judgment on saying that these children are timid. Or I think that's the wrong choice of word. When I say timid, I probably was trying to say that they are they're more laid back in ways and they are they're they're less aggressive. I do I do agree still with my own hypothesis on that. I think as a generation, they are less physical. I think that's the point I was trying to get across. They're not as physical, they're not as robust, they're not as and, and it comes from the fact that I don't think there's as many physical
3: fights in school. So is that the, is that the question you want to test then? Are students more physically violent?
1: But then that's the question, yeah. are they more violent? Because the more I think about this, the more I think actually that... I have a different hypothesis now, and I'm, 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 again, I'm formally, and this is why this is going out to debate, I and mean, you're more than welcome to ring in, discuss with this, whether you agree or disagree with me, um, because th- there are people who will agree with me, and that you know there are people who will definitely by their by their own learned examples they may disagree with me because you know they have seen it with their own eyes or they felt it they work in the community they're a community officer a police officer may disagree with me because they're at the they're at the coalface of what's going on in society and, but then I often think the police officers are always called out to the cases that you know they see a certain part of society the underbelly and the undercurrent of society that we don't and again that was the point I was trying to make is that if I have 30 children in the class how many of those children would propose a Physical violence would go outside and physically, you know, fight. They're not the type. Whereas in my generation, you know, fighting was normal. It was, you went to the bike sheds, so yeah. you, you, had, you had to stick up for yourself. Maybe that's my read of it because, of course, I came from a more aggressive, violent society considering the troubles that I grew up in. Maybe I was surrounded by a lot more and more sensitive to it, but you had to be more, um, men were men, men had the voice, had to well, there, fight. There you was know.
3: definitely a sense of, um... From from my elders, of if you if you've been hit yourself, you won't get hit again if you hit them back twice as hard. But parents would of, even parents would even instill that within you. But it's certainly mentioned by kind of older people. You had conversations with uncles and older cousins and stand up for yourself. Stand yeah, essentially stand up for yourself. I.e., um, if you allow them to hit you, or they're not scared of you, then they will hit you. Which is kind of, looking back at it now, it seems like it's a real bit of advice. But then
1: you had parents themselves who were, and you say this instance, was smacking uh, the cane at school. Mm-hmm. I was caned at school. I was one of the last generation to be caned sc- at school. So if I think about, you know, I had my parents who used physical, phys- physical, you know, f- physical punishments on me. Um, you know, at my school would use physical punishments on me. So violence was something, and i look out the window and I'd see army soldiers yeah. pointing guns at people. So it seemed that wherever I went, there was somebody who was trying to enforce the will upon me. So schools, were, the violent, threat- so schools were violent places anyway. Schools were violent <laughs> places. Just, just, just violent places. Yeah. Well, you, your, your teacher could put you against the wall and threaten you, and, and I had that yeah. as well.
3: I mean, there's an incredible section in uh, Chris Evans's uh, autobiography where he talks about not going ever, ever going back to school after this incident. Of a teacher actually just punched him straight in the stomach actually asking him for a question he couldn't answer it he just punched him straight in front of the class just punched him straight in the stomach. I, he walked home and said yeah. to mum i'm not going back to that school and mum said fair enough yeah. and that was that was. And if you like, asked a certain generation day. of people they would have told you that that was
1: acceptable they were fi- and they're fine with it now it mm. seems that people who want to bring back the cane but then schools were more violent places and that was the, the thing i'm suggesting is that maybe our children aren't as violent because violence has not been done to them but then my hypothesis falls on rocky ground yeah. when you look at the amount of parents who the unreported crime of parents being abused and hit by their own children yeah and I've had instances where it's been known that you know boy turns around and, and especially boys hitting their mother's and you've had situations where you, you can see the parent is afraid of the child yeah and, and and is that the case now and and I would extend that now to it used to be that maybe teachers were the ones in schools who were dishing out the physical physical force, but now it's the pupils dishing out the physical force to the teachers. Yeah, it's going to switch. And that's what, you know, we're, we're going to discuss that later yeah. on, it, it seems to be maybe an increase in 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 pupil-to-teacher violence, whereas two generations ago it was... Teacher-to-pupil. I, I very rarely see, you know, a newspaper saying, you know, teacher accused of physically assaulting a pupil. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but you regularly see, you know, um, teacher attacks, teacher attack, teacher attack. Same with nurses, you know, this is seen to be a situation where, again, you know, I don't remember accident emergencies having bouncers. And funny, when I was doing some research on this, I came across a security company, a school security company, and it made my alarm bells ring of, like, oh my, are we getting like America? Are we getting like America? Or is this perception? Is it now that every act of violence is well documented? That that's so well documented yeah. it gives you the impression. Yeah, it's the recording of the instances. And now every, every every incident is amplified. Every that school fight that happened with those young girls was absolutely vicious.
0: Mm. But thirty years
1: ago, there'd be no record of that. Yeah, right, I mean, I, I use the the analogy of uh, the, the the famous movie Blade Runner. You know, when it, when the android dies, and says that's it, all his memories will die like tears in the rain. <laughs> So all those things we went through, all of those fights in school 30, 40, 50 years ago, they're all lost. Yeah. But when somebody records this violent action, this violent fight, it does it amplify? And then do others
3: then say, I saw this, I saw this. Yeah. So for I mean, me- Can you share it? I think the shareability and the viralness of, of tweets and stuff, YouTube clips. And then the
1: narrative takes yeah. hold of this yeah. generation of children. And that's what I was trying to yeah. get across. And I don't know if I got it across completely. I went the other way, and what the, 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 the presenter wanted. The presenter was wanting a, a load of callers to come in and go, Yes, these children, you know, I, I had to go at me on a bus. These children, you know, mm. um, attacked my a, a dog. And, and and some of the later callers were absolutely, they, they were along those lines and they were a litany of, Young people did this to me. Young people are no respect. And it was that quote encapsulated the Socrates quote. Mm. But I do feel, and, and and I think I might have been wrong in some of say, but that's what we're up for discussion yeah. And you're more than welcome to to disagree, call in, and we'll be having that big discussion about 20 minutes time, so just after the news. So from now, between now and then, if you want to put a question together, or if you want to call in, or you want to react to our Twitter poll and that, please by all means re- react to that. But you want to have a quick chat about COVID. Well,
3: yeah, it's just interesting this week, as we kind of got ready for half term, is that uh, on uh, when Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, we had to uh, have a reduced population in school because of a massive uh, speak, uh, spike in COVID uh, within the Birmingham area, this was. Um, and this unfortunately kind of uh, hit a lot of my colleagues, worked very, very poorly uh, earlier on in the week and have now luckily kind of got through the worst. Um, thank goodness they'd all had the, the jabs and the, so, so obviously the impact of COVID was, uh, was a lot lessened. Um, but it just kind of goes to show, really, that it's still it's still going on, and it's still there, and it's still it really impacting schools. Although it's kind of not off the the or not on the main main news at all. But It's interesting because I also heard a report about someone talking about uh, long COVID. Kind of, what's the best way to uh, not get long COVID? And the simple answer was not to get COVID uh, in any source is is your answer. So, and we st- we still know nationally that you we. Know, Covid still uh, exists with uh, with long covid cases still being one of the causes for this reduced uh, re- the reduced amount of people in employment at the moment. Um, but um, the actual figures back up what you're saying because the data from the National Statistics says
1: Covid levels are rising in parts of the UK. Figures show that most age groups in England have seen a jump the prevalence of Covid with rates highest among secondary school age children. Yeah. I recall that children didn't get it and children didn't spread
3: it.
0: Well, children never
1: got it and children never spread That's it, Right? a yeah. yeah, who yeah. knew? Yeah. Um, the number of hospital patients in England who have tested positive continue to rise, and 1.2 million people in private households are likely to have COVID-19 in the week from the 7th of February, up 20% from 1 million the previous week. So there's always a lag time between obviously getting the data in.
3: Well, it seems that there was a rise in in, in COVID yeah, and broad, broad secondary school's driving it. It was interesting because just the week before i would noticed a few people just wearing masks and you kind of you kind of tune back into it again. And then all of a sudden it's like, and that person's off and that person's off. And then there's those blanks in the register again. And then that person And then it it went through your it went through your staff it we went through the staff room really quite uh, badly and um, you know um, I, I do actually think that our SLT do deal with it, and they were on it, yeah. very very quickly. Well done there, um, yeah, and uh, they have always been. They're kind of a lot of them are not the SLT or ex-military. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's very well, it's very well organised. Uh, it always was from day one. we like the, they, they, they like their lines, so they like their Why do I suddenly feel that they're walking around in hazmat suits? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, yes, yeah, so. so they were on, on monday there's an announcements about kind of everyone be careful and tuesday was kind of it was kind of well done then yeah so um there was a kind of an er, there was an early warning sign which is good which i thought was really did, well, did they get proper. any pushback from
1: doing that do you did they get much pushback from parents and
3: stuff about i, I, don't, I don't believe so because i, th- I think that, again it was um it, we kept year 11 in we kept year nine in yeah uh, we don't have seven eight um so year, te- year 10 we're on work, it just happened to be on work experience anyway, um, and uh, yeah. So it was mainly the kind of six formers that it impacted. Year eleven didn't, weren't impacted so much. Uh, but we have such a robust system of learning now. So COVID um, then,
1: let's get this straight. COVID disrupted the school learning environment to such an extent that we had to partially close again. Yeah. Which again, when our, our illustrious leaders in charge will talk about. Us going off on strike again yeah. it will be oh the kids have suffered so much during covid and yet they aren't as a ventilation systems Where, where's the cavalry on this we're again we're still yeah. back to nothing's been done nothing's been done
3: yet. no yeah. i mean we just happen to have a very very modern building uh with a, with a very good uh filtration and ventilation system however um so you've got military
1: military slt <laughs> you've got modern building yeah. I mean, I mean, duck and duck and cover yeah. me. I mean, World yeah. War Three comes, you're yeah. all right, aren't you? Com-
3: you know? I, I, we've got a huge basement as well, <laughs> <laughs> Conc- concrete style basement so, uh, yeah. with with with, uh, with uh, army mats and all sorts. Okay, of I, I know I know where I'm, I I'm heading. We, I think we have actually got a shooting range down there. Okay, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I know where I'm heading. it a
3: school. Am I might, I coming to the right place? I it's, think, yeah, it's a, it's a school. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it'd be interesting. I so know you have got a story later on about uh, school buildings. Uh um, yeah. you know, some schools sorry in some schools I've got windows that you've been knocked down. Oh that's so their that's, ventilation. That's the, that's the ventilation. That's the ventilation yeah, yeah. system. So don't they need to actually and
1: and, and and you know we don't we don't have we wouldn't have to worry about nuclear nuclear bombs because yeah. our our roof is completely asbestos. <laughs> so yeah. you know, the, the, the destruction of mankind would be fine. Our roof would survive. Yeah. You know, we'd be okay. Yeah. Um and, and and that's what's again it was that was covered in the um the, the Fantastic Show this morning, the um the weekly review mm-hmm. about the crumbling state of buildings. And that one's been building. That's a slow burning story, that one. Because um especially asbestos, sixties builds, and the suppression of the report, it seems, about um the state of our school structures. And know unions are building a case on that saying, you know, that the uh and all the unions are saying that the situation has reached rock bottom the post-war, basically, schools built in the 50s and 60s mm. are filled with asbestos and, and inappropriate building materials. And now there's an awareness. It's like everything else. Once you're once you aware of something, you've got a duty of care to do about it. Mm. And I think what this government has tried to do is a bit of a gaslight over like, well, what's wrong with these buildings? Nothing wrong with these buildings. No, they, they, have, they contain asbestos. Do they? Yes, they do. Oh, we'll get to report that they're fudging it. They know very well that there is a lot of school buildings out there yeah. they're unsafe and if you work in one of those buildings and this is this is this is happening there's going to be class action lawsuits or in brockovich eat your heart out yeah. where there will be teachers saying i'm sorry but i've got lung problems as a result well, i was teaching well, these,
3: well, these
1: schools they're all built around a certain 50s 60s, 50's bills, 60's the post war yeah. and, and if you look at a lot of housing states these are the type of schools that are in the old housing states era,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they were built again we we've gotten the codes our 60s build um we even had to we got a grant of ten thousand pounds to build a new garden so i secured that as part of our equal thing um a, a kind of community garden and as soon as we started laying the groundwork for it we discovered what's this stuff in the ground guess what we discovered the builders just simply dumped. over the side of the the outside of the building just dumped it in the ground or put some topsoil over it yeah. and that lay in the ground so we had this we had to significantly use a lot of that the, uh, grant money mm. to clean up the area because yeah, yeah. what we what we're going to do you're going to be growing crops in it i mean when you think about that logically that absolutely that gave me nightmares yeah. that gave me absolute
3: nightmares and well, so who great. knows what's buried in the <laughs> society then. If, if, if you just That's happen to have dug it up exactly you, just because of that chance exactly yeah. so you, you, this is the thing and, and then you added the fact that
1: these are our children we're dealing with mm. these are buildings for our children i mean that is absolutely criminal yeah. when you think about it in the sixth wealthiest country in the world well, there's some schools still teaching in porticabins. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. We're the sixth wealthiest country in the world, and if the government was clear about levelling up, it's an absolute national disgrace instead are yeah. some buildings. But that's that story yeah. about so, that.
3: So, so so, we're building up to a, another strike on the 1st of March? 1st of March. 1st of March. Um, and it was really interesting, because I, I said to Brent before this year, I've been following a, a guy on Twitter, um, and he put a poll up about, um, would you accept um, a, 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 stick to the 5% uh, but have a such a reduction in your workload that would give you basically one day per week to clear all of your admin marking, planning um, and the poll that he put up was 75% yes in favour of that, 25% no um, so what do you think about that so as, as we go into this... I think that combines with what I think
1: Tom Tom Rogers did a show on that um, when he was looking at the unions, talking to the unions, saying is really the pay the right, it, it was pay the right way to go. And I asked Daniel, Dan Kibidi, the that that question in our interview a couple of weeks ago, yeah, which you can listen, get back, on, yeah. listen back on that. We've got the hostings coming up with, with Daniel and Neve on the 3rd of March, I think. So that's really going to be a really interesting listen. They'll go head to head. Um, they're fighting a really good campaign. in The power of them at the moment, so it's worth keeping an eye on. And obviously, what are the differences between the two? At the moment because they are, you know, similar in as many aspects. But I do think there are some differences. And obviously, that's what we'll be trying to sort of give give the any uh, EU membership who listen to this a, a, a fair sort of crack of the whip, of being yeah. able to you know decipher between the two candidates. And we have yeah. had both on at this stage. But that was the thing of you know. When, but Daniel's response was Daniel's response was we this is within we we had to go for pay if we had to have a dispute because that was within the union laws. But they know that. They know it's It's not just about pay, it's about conditions, it's about pensions, it's about work, work safety. It's all of those things. It's workload, it's, it's it's recruitment, retention. There's a plethora of issues going wrong in education. Send, you know, send provision. I mean, where do you start? Mental health, teacher mental health. I mean, where do you start here? The litany of issues that we have, crumbling schools, where we have, um, we need a root and branch when it comes to education. Take the exam system student mental health and we were up that season now where we're seeing them you know dropping like flies. god bless them yeah. because they're covered to cope with an exam system it just doesn't measure
3: their ability uh, basically ticks the box so, so it doesn't look like anything to uh, stop no. the strike on the no. first on the first of march um but maybe the two others might be in do- possibly the only movement is there's mood music coming out of whitehall and they were
1: suggesting that they won't move on pay but and this is the interesting thing they're willing to look at the bureaucracy and the amount of bureaucracy that teachers are doing, mm-hmm. which coincides with what you're saying, that they may attack this from a different point of view of, if we reduce the amount of workload you have, we can increase the amount of pay, but you could suggest that is a kind of pay rise. If you're working less hours for the same amount of money, you're kind of,
3: you, you well, are right, getting I mean, a sort of pay yeah, rise. May I disagree. I think you'll be doing less hours because essentially you'll just be uh, not doing stuff that's the, in your own time, essentially, yeah, not so stuff it. that's not
1: been paid for. Well, I mean, how would you I mean? Because the thing about that is, you, your hours are, are at the discretion of your head teacher, and your yeah. head teacher might work for a trust. So this is the thing about the government making promises. You, you, your government can make you promises all they want, but your employer is mm-hmm. now not the government any longer, and we saw that during the week with the uh, the Sheffield advertisement. Oh yeah,
3: I was, was going to say, uh, are you oozing with leadership? Are, they, are these people <laughs> oozing with leadership? Are you are you one of these people? I mean. And one what, what of the things that you, I think you said it are they just being honest?
1: Well, I'll, I'll give them are,
3: are they just being? Uh, are they just saying this is a hell of a job? Have they described <laughs> half of my job? Yeah, because
1: because I'll be honest, I'd say right if that's what they want and somebody's willing to work for them like that, then fine. At least then you go into the job with your eyes open and you know what you're getting yourself in for. And maybe that's asking for somebody who's you know intrinsically motivated. I've gone for a job interview, and myself and the head teacher of that place both turned around halfway through the interview and said. I don't think you fit in here, and I'm glad you said that. Yeah. You know, because I didn't think it fit in here. And if you ended, you've got to fit where you fit. You've got to fit the ethos. You've got to buy into the ethos. And if, you know, there's nothing worse when you arrive somewhere and you think to yourself, I just don't fit in here. Yeah. See, I take that in every walk of life. You take that in any other job, and you take that. You know, footballers like that all the time. Sports people are like that. I've transferred into a club. I don't fit the ethos. You know, and, and you can, And the thing is, you can change to the ethos. Yeah. Or you're not My, going to change I don't their... think you're going
3: to bend this far. So are you? So that they want somebody who oozes with leadership, in, in, in oozes with the in, uh, leadership within their, within their interactions to be a great orator, Brent? You're, you're an orator? You can Probably do too know. much. I get, yeah. to, I get um, criticized we, for that. We want someone who handles authority well. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and is willing to hold the line and lead with bravery, comma, I, when needed i, I can but hold the vision line vision. all right yeah i that, that, yeah. that agree with you we don't underestimate the power of vision and direction and these are irresistible forces able to transport obstacles into new pathways forward i mean that sounds like someone's put that into chats I, gtp somebody's been
1: someone's <laughs> been sucking on the american corporate speaker you know let me yeah mean, did they want synergy and, and blue sky thinking the there blue sky any...
3: thinking and what was one i had once which was kind of we only want to have one interview. interviews God. where you, know, you have to walk away. They said we are solution resource centre. No, oh, uh, stop. Is any, I think the, the next question was: Is there anything else we can do for you? And I just said, I just want to go. Can I get? Can, can I get a taxi? <laughs> uh, it was just so bizarre. I don't know what they what they were meaning. Were they just nervous? Were they anxious? they just got things out. but i know research.
1: this advert has triggered some people into like oh come on this is ridiculous but i i'm trying to go the other way and say well th- they're telling people what they want up front and if you buy into that then you don't get to turn around and say halfway into your a couple of months into your job more you know what you signed yourself up for and maybe more schools were more honest with people that advertisement wouldn't stick out I mean, yeah. if they say explicitly say look you as assistant head teacher and it was interesting that they said assistant head teacher could sometimes be the roles that people can hide in you know, and everything else. Now it sounds as if they may have had assistant head teacher try to basically blag it, yeah. and they're basically saying, "Now look, this is our school, this is our ethos, yeah. this is who we are, and if you're part of our team, you're part of
3: our team." It was full on. I mean, yeah. and it, and and I think it's too far. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, who can work in two ways? Regardless. Yeah, it's not who's is not always good. Yeah, it can sound a bit pussy as well. Is it a spot? Oh, like yeah, yeah.
1: Got you. Um, th- yeah. Ooh, yeah, you're oozing out. You're yeah. oozing charisma. Yeah. Uh, using, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, thanks was, for that mental yeah. image. By the way. <laughs> I, I just got a big giant boil being popped. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's that one. Uh, what else we want to look at? We were looking at because
3: we we yeah, yes there was a... It's interesting because we don't we haven't heard a lot from Labour on education policies. Uh, uh,
1: we saw we liked. Yeah. And it was um, for getting for teachers course. in. Yes. Teachers to sit on new community courts under plans proposed by a future Labour government. I like this, and, and I'm not a Labour supporter, I I'm sure share different uh, political allegiance, but they are considering proposals that I could see teachers sitting on new community courts to decide how antisocial behaviour is punished, and I think that's directly connected to what we're talking about. Under the plans, they could decide the types and length of community sentences, which could include making offenders clear later and vandalism as part of clean-up squads, I like that idea, Drop the litter, pick the litter up. Steve Reed, the Shadow Justice Secretary, has outlined the details he intends to say, let the law-abiding majority take back control of their streets from antisocial behaviour holding your line. <laughs> Hold the line all yeah, the line read will reveal the community courts which would include social workers and other leaders which would meet directly to punishment that's like um, you know your community court and and, and restorative i mean it's restorative justice isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you've done the vandalism you do a crime it does make me think of that channel 4 um, tv show yeah. misfits though, all dressed yeah, yeah, yeah. up in orange jumpsuits out doing it. i i, I cleaning the cleaning clean, the windows but you do the you do the crime you do the time I don't, yeah. I don't think i don't see a problem with that and maybe those young people that might, Teach them the value of things, and that's and a learning. Maybe that's a good thing that teachers might be on there and say, "Look, you need to learn a lesson. You you you've gone and vandalized this thing. You go and fix it. Sure. You take responsibility and ownership." And and then again, that's um, Tom's doing. going to do a really good um, program on Monday night about this, about where is the parent, t- teacher, student yeah. responsibility thing? If we're making people responsible for the thing they do, I like that from an atonement point of view. Yeah. I mean, the the religious side of me, and I am a religious person in some aspects does like the idea of people doing some penance. You do something wrong, you have to pay a consequence, and then you have to genuinely feel as if you've done wrong. You feel sorry for it, you make up for it, you move on, it's forgotten about. Yeah. It. I like that cycle. Yeah. And I think we've lost that in schools. You and think I think too is, often yeah. in schools, is we punish a child, they do it again. We punish a child, they do it again. We punish a child, they do it again. Where is the learning in the punishment? Where is the learning? Yeah. Where, where, where are you getting
3: any responsibility or for their actions yeah. whatsoever? it's a little bit of um do not show some kids up make them humiliate a little bit I mean we we, let's be honest as long as as everything's been assessed yeah properly I mean be interesting to know where they come to me it smells a little bit of labor just moving a little bit right just to try and it could be construed you could construe this as as a kind of yes a justice thing
1: yeah but if it's handled correctly if you're having teachers and social workers in there it's a maybe that child doesn't deserve a criminal sentence because There are mitigating circumstances, right, but they may yeah. be having, that's the difference, maybe having those individuals there, a bit like your, your what's that type, team around the child, what do we call that? When you want to have a meeting, we have a team around a child.
3: Yeah.
1: Um well, the whole, maps, whole Yeah, camps. no, we have, this, we have the camps. Camp you know, you, you, well, you know, you, yeah, yeah, but there's a, there's a specific name for it when you've got the psychologist, you've got the social worker, you've got the school, yeah. and they all discuss the child, yeah. and they all meet around the, yeah. the child. Um, and they literally sort of, and that's when they input in and and, yeah, and, and more knowledge you have of somebody's background sometimes, mm-hmm. but having people like social workers and teachers on there who aren't as say, for instance, cut and dry, we're more nuanced mm-hmm. and that would be a good thing possibly to involve us. But then remember, it, that would help our profession with a bit of gravitas. However, one necessary thing would you then say, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm on a community court. Would my school release me for that? Yeah, yeah. We've got a teacher show, but like Rishi Sunak's yeah. 18th the 18th, it's a great idea, but, but does it become like another form? To I'm sorry, but like my primary like job, like job like is what, and yeah. now you want me to be a judge as well? Yeah. Well, hello. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's a nice idea, but it needs to be funded. It needs to be thought out, and if they're if they're just trying to score points by saying they're a law and order party and trying to trying to basically yeah. move on and come up a, with an to, idea to me it
3: smells a little bit off that. I'm, well i'm getting a little wafter that's, that's where they go get you're them. getting cynical you know,
1: <laughs> um
3: last one that's on this good eye
1: mate put a shrimp on the barbie well after watching my favorite tv but <laughs> what, 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 what was on here
3: when you came in I have no, I have no idea. Look, it looked very. Good. I mean, what was it? Explain an incredible TV in his, his living room. It is, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't really paying any attention. It was a I mean, blue dog. I'm I'm in the zone when I come here. I yeah, to it, was, it
1: was a blue, it was blue dog that was from Australia. So parents okay. know parents know the TV show I'm talking about, and and we have Bandit, and we have um, we have Bingo, and we have Bluey, okay. and we have um, Mom's Chili, and and it, it resonates anybody whose parents will know what I'm talking about so i often watch that tv show and think and i've I used to live in the area where it's filmed even though it's a cartoon but it's based on brisbane brazil yeah. mate. and i lived in australia i lived in australia yeah. for a year i worked lived and worked in australia the sydney 2000 olympic games Oh, nice Good so yeah and yeah. I, I you know so you know irish people british people yeah. have a very strong connection to to australia but here's where they're at australian politicians are using new trade agreement and um, Brexit, uh, which is under the Brexit agreement, the new trade agreement, she which, was, for she which was, which she was, was yeah, let's not go down that route. Right right. right. But it was so one of the trade yeah. agreements set up. Actually, I think Liz Truss negotiated this one. So so doing well, 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 <laughs> uh, well, here comes the here comes the kicker. Where do we see what? It, what it's it's go- cheese? No cheese, <laughs> cheese and wine. That is a disgrace. Um, so the recruitment of thirty one thousand people. They're thirty one thousand short. They have a worker shortage. And they're now, and they've done this for years, haven't they? They're looking to poach our doctors, our teachers, our police officers, our civil engineers. And here's the thing, our GP can earn 82% more in Western Australia. And it's interesting it's Western Australia because it's the most isolated capital city in the world. There's my geography lesson coming in. And you have to drive across the Nullarbor, if you drive across it, I'll tell you, it's two days of just mindless, flat, dead carcasses on a Mm road. If anybody's driven across the Nullarbor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So Western Australia, because of its isolated nature, has obviously got a labour shortage more than anywhere else. So the Western Australian government have put out this call, and they're willing to offer UK primary school teachers 68% more pay and nurses 58% more. So see that recruitment retention crisis well that's going to get yeah. worse because uh, i mean this is no advertisement for western australia i'm not giving them free advertisement i'm just reporting what they've said yeah, western australian government minister paul uh Papieta has said it will lead to a delegation to the uk and ireland uh, as australian state looks to tackle the labor shortage and there is a world labor shortage mm-hmm. and you and i were discussing this even some of our tt presenters are in this situation is how many overseas teachers do we have you yeah. talked about the you talked yes. about so, so, Qatar, so, so, Dubai. So, so it
3: seems to be kind of Uh, The talk in our staff room is around Qatar. Obviously, a lot of the teachers, not obviously, but a lot of the teachers I I work with are Muslim. Um, So they they look to um, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, um, UAE, uh, to those places Mm -hmm. for lots of reasons. I know one of my colleagues is looking at it from a kind of religious perspective about how they... They want to bring their child up in a, in a more Muslim environment, and that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, but obviously, the, the money is very good, especially in Qatar at the minute. Uh, I think Saudi Arabia has settled down so Yeah. It's, it's not it's not the big one that it was Well, I used before. to do an
1: exchange program with UAE mm-hmm. 10 years ago, the Connecting Classrooms Project with the British Council, mm-hmm. and the majority of their teachers there, of the six teachers involved, um, five out of the six were Jordanian, Syrian, Egyptian, Palestinian, and what was quite ironic about that was they joked and said, well, out of three schools in the UK, uh, we had Scotsman and Irishman, and Eng- an English girl. So it was kind of like, it was, it was like, like, it was it like a, a joke. Well, that was the whole it's thing about like the British Council was the people representing Britain were not always from Britain, and the people representing UAE, only one of them was from it. Yeah. So it was kind of like, we have an international labor market, and are now our teachers now willing to to travel? And, and again, I'm sure there's so much. There's been so many teacher talk radio shows, and that we've got so many presenters who are in Portugal, Spain, and, and all over uh, Belgium as well. Seems to be represented um, because you know it's an international recognised qualification, a vocation that travels. So that's what the Australian government is doing. Is not going to help us with our recruitment and retention, and you see this this strike at the moment. I can only see that exacerbating and and, and leading more of an exit. Which again goes back to why aren't they doing more to keep us here? Yeah. Um, not just looking at pay, but looking at the bureaucracy and everything else. And, and I can't understand their logic because when you've trained people up, I mean, someone like my wife is a clinical psychologist. How much does it cost to train someone like my wife? 25
3: grand, 30 grand?
1: No. Multiply that by a factor of 10. Okay. 300,000. Plus. Okay. But how much does it cost to get one teacher you take yeah, us yeah. you get us through 18 years of, of, of school then put us through what
3: three years of university yeah, four the, years like, of university just the whole recruitment process costs a school about two and a half three yeah. grand just with the advert and, so you have uh, trained
1: you've trained people up from 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 age of four yeah and that's a brain drain yeah and that was that was that was happening in my country we made we one of the best education systems in the world and where do you find us you find us in australia new zealand canada i, I i'm from a society which has um, as we often say, our best export is our best asset too, and that's our people, Yeah. Um, and, and that was always happening. But that stopped happening in the Republic of Ireland now. The Republic of Ireland is now a net importer of people. Mm. It's actually having problems yeah, now yeah. with community integration because they've always been a net exporter. Yeah. But now the Republic's one of the third, third highest quality of living in the world. Yeah, yeah. They're actually struggling because they're actually calling for people to come back from places like Australia. <laughs> yeah uh because they they, they their economy's growing that much so we're, we'll we'll have our we're gonna have, have the news now and when we come back from the news we, we're gonna have the discussion about um whether we believe schools have become more violent whether our kids are more violent or society is more violent but in particular what do we think about our young people am i wrong when i defend them and say that our young people are less violent than in previous generations am, am i wrong when the twitter poll says out of 180 people that 180 people 75 percent of those 180 people said that they believe that our children are more violent so what do you believe what do you think you're more welcome to ring in more welcome to send us a message more welcome to ask us a question uh please engage in, in, in the debate if you if you're really up for it and if not you know adam and i will, will, will chew through some of the facts and statistics what's really interesting is is finding the facts and statistics on this is quite difficult especially post covid there seems to be a lot of stuff about 2019 2020 I don't think this has been looked into since. And considering the the impact on schools with COVID, I'd go so far as to say this might be deliberate or it might be some somewhere along the line, somebody's producing some research and saying, what is the impact in schools? Because anecdotally, I have seen more aggression in schools the last two or three years, whereas the couple of years before that, I don't think I had. So there's definitely something switched and it isn't, I believe, peer to peer. There's a lot more now of adults teachers who are suffering from um, the physical physical attacks and stuff and again that's my reading that you may disagree you, you may agree um, it is one of those debates that I don't think you can ever fully resolve because there will always be the philosophical lines drawn on it yeah. um, but we'll, we'll go okay. to the news and then pl- please um, ring in call or equally um, give us a view on that
2: yeah.
3: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
2: STV reports that a council in Scotland could become the first to open schools for four days per week. According to the report, West Dunbartonshire Council is currently considering the proposals alongside a range of other measures as part of a bid to plug a £15 million funding gap. Currently, primary schools in the county are open to pupils from 9am to 3pm each day, with secondary schools running an asymmetric week with seven periods on Mondays and Tuesdays and six periods daily Wednesday to Friday. The new proposals would see primaries open Monday to Thursday with hours of 8.30am to 3.45pm and secondary schools running an eight-period day Monday to Thursday beginning at 8.20am and ending at 4.10pm. The plans were shared with parents and are for the 2023-24 to academic year. The other proposals being considered for education across the council are a reduction in the number of learning assistants, a review of grants for uniform, removal of breakfast clubs in primary schools and swimming lessons for pupils in primary four. Western West Council says the plans would have no impact on teaching time or teacher numbers, but that savings would be made in costs for transport and energy usage. It does acknowledge that the proposals may impact upon childcare arrangements for parents, and that consideration must be given to support vulnerable children. Plans for fifth date provision for those children is being explored. The plans are likely to find favour with unions, as during June 2022's AGM for Education Institute Scotland, delegates backed a motion calling for a move to a four-day week, stating that it could improve the standard of teacher well-being. There There is some concern, however, on the possible impact of the sort of move on those with non-teaching roles in schools. The Council will consider proposals during a meeting on March 1, 2023, before any further steps to consultation can be taken. The Channel Island of Guernsey has released the finding of its latest young people survey. The results seem to indicate that vaping in schools is on the rise and that there has been an increase in bullying reports amongst children in Year 8 and Year 10. In better news, 40% of pupils surveyed believe their school now takes bullying seriously, a significant increase in the 26% figure from 2019. There has also been a significant uplift in the numbers of young people who cycle or walk to school, from 26% in the 2016 survey to 40% in 2022. Year six pupils walk or cycle the most. In terms of health, 40% of those surveyed admitted to trying vaping, although cigarette usage was down at only 15%. More year 10 girls vape than year 10 boys. The survey is completed every three years. Finally, Sir David Attenborough has praised Sunderland University's decision to join BAFTA's Albert Education Partnership to teach students the importance of creating sustainable content. Students on Sunderland's MA Media Production programme will benefit from teaching on topics such as the science of climate change, the environmental impact of the film and TV industries, sustainable production practices and creating content with strategic environmental purpose. Sir so David said that saving the planet is now a communications challenge, whilst Gary Stubbs, leader of the MA programme at Sunderland, said the university's film and TV department is set to take green issues to task. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Well, I think that's the news. Finished.
3: Yep. Yeah, so, um... so we're going to get onto this debate about whether we think um, school pupils or school age pupils, I guess, will do yeah. the kind of debate uh, whether they have become uh, more violent or is it something we're just noticing more more of? Uh, we'd like to get to your thoughts on this, really, because we want to kind of keep it a, a debated, possible, because uh, we're not sure. We've debated it over the weekend we've kind of come in and out of yes and no. Um, the poll that we've got on Twitter at the moment has 181 votes with two hours left, so please feel free to uh, vote on that. It's currently that 75.7% of you uh, think that, uh, yes, students are getting uh, more violent. Um, but it's one of those things that we were discussing earlier, Brent, is, is it is it more subjective than that? Is it that um, is it depend on how you how you judge violence, what you experience as violence before, um, you know? And we also talked about that kind of potential of there's a bit of a gender divide here on how you react to violence and, and what you consider. I would go so far as a cultural divide as well. Yeah. I mean, what I consider to be violent might
1: be someone else to consider to be violent. And I've had this recently a lot about shouting, for instance. Yeah. Um, what I would consider a shout, now I, I was I was on the sidelines um, watching my Year 8's play, and they were 4-1 up, cruising a 4-1 up, and the opposition weren't used to, they had a nice 4G pitch, it's a cup game, they're used to a nice 4G pitch, and all of a sudden, by half time, they changed their tactics in, into our terribly 1960s build pitch, which is horrible, and clay soil as well. I digress, but anyway, they, they come back and they won five, seven, 5, in the end, and our kids just couldn't cope with their new game strategy. Mm-hmm. And at the sidelines, of course, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur manager. Yeah. And as my, my uh, they weren't even, I'm not even manager of the team, but they're my year eights, I'm a year eight shooter. And as I, I, I was shouting encouragement, you know, good tackle, well done. But of course my voice carries like basically, you know, Ian Paisley on, on a bad day. And, and some of my colleagues were going like, are you like, is that, is that your level? I'm like, That's my normal level of am shouting. Oh, right, so when you're shouting at a child, I said, I'm not shouting at my child, I'm raising my voice. That's me raising my voice. That's me shouting. Oh, okay, so there's another level. It was, there is another level, because I get, I my own daughter says, Daddy, are you shouting me? I'm oh, not I've just raised my voice. But again, it's like what somebody would consider to be somebody shouting is somebody else going, I'm not shouting, that's not shouting, what are you on about? And I find that a lot recently that even when it comes to things like you know, what we're considered to be aggressive behavior might be somebody's norm. I think it comes down to what you're considering to be normal. What do you classify as violence? Is it what somebody threatens to do, what somebody physically does, what somebody mentally does? And I think again, you're right. I think it's it's very much up to the individual to say, that person is being violent towards me. And I, and, and as a union rep, I sometimes have to wade through, you know, a staff member who says, look, I think this child has been violent towards me and, and unpick it and I go, okay, well, what was the violence towards you? Oh, they said this thing to me. Okay, what's that violence though? Were they were they threatening you? And and again, it's down to the individual person's perception of what they deemed to be violent and that means what their social norm is. So psychologists would have a field day with this and I think this is the problem you're dealing with education, you're dealing with nine million children, one million adults, and what is the sort of standard, you know, sort of, classification of violence in society and that's what comes down to recording is and, and i i do think we are recording things a lot better than we used to do i think that children are more violent on, on whole i don't think they are i i really genuinely think that the majority of our young people i still stand behind that hypothesis the bulk majority of our young people and i would say the same about behavior the bulk majority of our young people are not badly behaved I do think that the minority have become more aggressive. There is a definite hardcore minority. And I think as well, there is a definite um the worst have got worse, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. It's... I think the worst have got a lot worse. So the and, are and I think there's a yeah. skewing in some areas. This is definitely a bigger problem than other areas. I do think it's connected to poverty. I think it's connected to families family dynamics it's connected to society's issues it's connected to the internet i think there's a lot of this needs unpicking and i don't think there is one organization out there who's actually tasked at the moment with dealing with it here i think there is the social workers are dealing with their end the teachers are dealing with their end police are dealing with their end and i don't think there's one overarching organization which is
3: asking that question what is going on our young people. Okay so should we have a look at some of the data that's out there? So uh, YouGov did some research on the uh, June the 15th 2022 uh, and the headline was that one in seven uh, secondary school teachers say they face violence from pupils at least once a month. Um, Teachers in Britain say disruptive and violent pupils are running ruining their lives causing physical injury and Um, career-ending psychological harm. Um, So again, there's two sides of this, isn't there? There's the physical and there's the mental. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we want to kind of like take them as a separate instance. Should we just focus on the physical because um, I know you earlier you were talking about an incident in the corridor that you had. Yeah, well, you I, I to... had a student who, what, want of a better word, old fashioned, squared up to me. And I stood my ground,
1: held the line, and another colleague witnessed this and I was as calm as they come. I told them to go to the back of the line. They looked at me as if, you know, who are you talking to? And I looked at them as if well, I'm talking to you. And there was no more aggressive than, than somebody just giving out a set of instructions and somebody broken the rules, applying what the rules were. And the student came over to me, and I stood my ground, and in sort of, in layman's terms, they drove the shoulder into me. Mm. Now, I'm 13 and a half stone, I play rugby, I work out, and Newton's equal and opposite force meant that this young man, who's probably, you know, not exactly at the prime of his testosterone youth, um, hurt himself against my shoulder. Now, I didn't move, and in fact, my reaction was one of, what are you doing? And i was instantly quite like shocked of like did you you only know, do that double take of did you just do that yeah and i'm like rubbing my shoulder a little bit going like did you just what what yeah and it wasn't like instantly like, oh god i've been assaulted i didn't go down like memoir, like an italian yeah. footballer i didn't do the italian footballer you know what i mean rolling around holding my face no i i, I had, he had physically invaded my space yeah. you could classify that as assault you know I mean? well, well you, you, you have, could. We have been. Well,
3: I don't feel as if I have been, personally, because- But does it matter if you have or not, it's just the act itself? Oh, the what, act, he, his intention was right, to right. try and intimidate
1: yeah. me using yeah. his physicality, which was in itself kind of funny, because you know there was no threat whatsoever to me whatsoever, because that type of thing wouldn't really impact upon me more. Now, instantly afterwards, I made sure I looked around and one of my colleagues was more upset than me, When did he just, did he, oh, what? And my reaction to him was I want you to go sit down there and, and we'll deal with this hmm. and it was dealt with but my other reaction was afterwards what happens if he had done that to one of my other colleagues who say for instance wouldn't have had the robustness of me I mean I play, I play contact sports I've had throughout my life so many physical altercations anyway so it's I'm not saying that I'm immune to it don't hmm. get me wrong it, it did impact upon me afterwards because it was more about the fact that he felt he could do this And the fact that he felt that he could get away with it. And the fact that he tried to flip it, by the way, that was the odd thing. He tried to flip this that I had actually uh, gone into his personal space. And I was glad that there was a witness there. And that made me think about the risk of, well, he could have flipped this. Mm. and I could have then be facing a charge. And that's where afterwards I wasn't so much about the physical altercation. I was more worried about the implications for my reputation, implications for myself, but also the fact, implications for my colleagues, that this had become a bit of a norm, yeah. that this, this student would even think of this action, that this came out of what? That I challenged him perfectly within my right in a calm way, and, that, and that's what sort of upset me was more, I wouldn't mind if I had walked up to him uh, like an old school Grange Hill teacher and went, you boy, like Mr. Bronson. Yeah. You know, there was no justification for his aggression towards me, but his default was to try and challenge somebody and, and almost in a plucky way, I thought, what? Where is that? and thought, where's that? And again, I'm actually shooting my own argument in the foot. It's never happened to me in my 19 years uh, in education. It never happened to me whatsoever. It's never come close to that far. I've had students verbally, I've had students uh, threaten each other, but never physically have I had somebody come that close to me to actually try and physically intimidate me and physically try and bully me.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and it was dealt with, but don't get me wrong, that has happened to me so am i a statistic with but does, does that does that go down isn't it well, well again i, I guess
3: know. so i mean interesting uh schools week uh, back in 2019 i mean brent was absolutely right earlier that uh, there is a big void of good data on this over uh, since the pandemic mm-hmm. uh which again you could argue is that, is that worrying in itself or is it just that nobody's doing it or I mean, whose responsibility I mean, is it to log this data? But exactly, if the Department of Education Torren, said there are X
1: amount of attacks on teachers and this is what's going on in schools, then they have a duty, the same as the crumbling schools, yeah. they've a duty to do something about it. Yeah. So why are they not looking about it? We've seen this, same as with COVID, hide, 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 deny, deny, deny. Yeah. And what these statistics in 2019 are,
3: they were quite damning. Yeah, so, so, yeah, 72% um, is the increase in assaults on school uh, premises. Um, obviously, unions uh, correctly say it's very worrying. One head teacher in Durham told Schools Week um, he'd seen a rise in rudeness and lack of tolerance towards stuff. The latest figures from 15 English police forces um, to respond to the um, Freedom of Information request shows there's a steady increase in salt in assaults since 2015. In 2015 there were 4089 reports and that's that rose up to 7020 in 2018. Uh, the date to the end of July 2019 was it already got to 4354 uh, as the report went out. Um, so. We, yeah, and that's we don't. Oh, pre-pandemic. I, I get to, at that point. That's when kind of COVID kind of yeah. started to start, started to kind of set in. So who, who um, knows what has been? Yeah. And anecdotally, all the evidence in schools points to
1: a, an increase in, in in exclusions and in violence in schools and lack of boundaries and blurring of the lines. Which would indicate that my hypothesis is going out the window, that maybe in the last couple of years there's been a a marked sharp increase in violence in schools. I still don't see it. I still think there are blurred lines in the sense that there aren't school fights. There isn't that fight, fight, fight. There isn't that, you know, culture. That's the word I'm looking for. There isn't that culture in school now of people turning and saying, you and me, back back of the bike shed, three o'clock, bring your friends. And that was the norm when I was at school. You know, or somebody go down the. Somebody would, you know, give me your lunch money, or else I'll punch your face in. Yeah. No, you get your face punched in, and you punch back. It
3: end off, right? Yeah. Job done. It's done and dusted. Well, obviously, a lot but, of a lot of the data we're looking at there is is teacher on, uh, sorry, uh, pupil on teacher, People on teacher. Yeah. Um, however, do we do we know anything about kind of pupil to pupil? I mean, anecdotally, again, but that would be uh, the exclusions, yeah. wouldn't it? But yeah. the exclusions have hit
1: epidemic. Yeah, but also this has hit epidemic proportions there's a hundred thousand children who are currently not in education yeah so, so where, where, are, where are they where are doing they and the what are they doing community. and who are, yeah. who are they and interesting if you go to glasgow about and, and i know this is a different it's open on a can of worms about exclusions but the the evidence from glasgow and this is why i think um that's why i think government's trying to stop exclusions i think they know that if you exclude children there isn't that wraparound care out there Mm-hmm. At least if you have children in schools, you saw this during COVID, at least you know where they are. Yeah. Which then puts the burden on us to cope with these children. Which then puts the burden on us to cope with these children who maybe we're not helping them, keeping them in schools, because they unequally they're not safe in schools. And therefore, well, who has these children? How who who's dealing with them? And I think they fall through the cracks. And then there's your county lines. And what what showed in Glasgow was when they cut down in eighty one percent, I think they cut down in exclusions uh, um over a course of time. The, the, number, the amount of violent crime in the area decreased by 49%. So they drew a correlation between the, the school exclusions and the crime and violence in the community. Therefore, ergo, but then if they would they then correspond with what was the situation happening in Glasgow schools? Because mm. when you put those students back into schools, mm. were you then going to see an increase in violence in schools? Either way, punishing these people doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and and I, I come from the, the bleeding heart liberal humanitarian point of view of trying to figure out why young people commit violence. One school of thought is they commit violence because they come from violent backgrounds. Yeah. I would agree with that because as a child growing up, I grew up in a violent society and yes, I'm not going to deny you that I got suspended from school for fighting. That doesn't make me a violent person. That means that I was being bullied and I reacted in a way that everybody else at that time reacted, which was, if well, I was teaching my child to react now. child wouldn't be dealing now with the school that i went through which was almost and my parents response was as you said earlier on stand up for yourself so i was encouraged in society to be and i hate saying the toxic masculinity thing be a man stand up for yourself Mm. and you know that was that was the norm thing then wasn't it you know you solved your problems by going going behind the bike shed and if you even look at the culture of that time violent schools i think were more violent places that
3: teachers were basically hitting the children. Yeah. The children were hitting each other. It's learned behavior then, isn't it? People in authority are assaulting uh, other people. So therefore, when I get to a place where, for me to be, uh, you know, have authority within my group of people, I need to be aggressive, I need to be violent. And that the- The policing
1: place. then was? They actually think about policing then policing then was now that that's this is where society splits into two because mm-hmm. there are people who like to go back to that and say you know your, your police should like these environmental protesters just go back them across the back of the head yeah. lift them off the street um, and that's i think the philosophical way that two groups of people see this world yeah. you know we must we must physically hurt people or we must physically intimidate them we must have the deterrent the deterrent is important they seem to believe that you know if you have it's a death penalty thing it, it, you know, if you have the death penalty, if you've got strict rules, yeah. if you have strict punishments, and it goes back to the cane, the cane will teach us, they're the, they're the type that come out and, and they actually the guy doing that debate online said that, and he says, you know, it's not gonna be long before we get somebody talking about bring back national service. And then you get, oh, young people should be free of authority. That's the thing. And I remember doing an assembly on that in 2004, and this one got me into trouble, because it was Michael Howard, and Michael Howard was the conservative uh, Conservative uh, leader at the time, I'll never forget the news story because it absolutely triggered me. And it was like, young people should fear the police. And I got on stage back in my early years, I had no filter whatsoever, it still happened. And I said young people shouldn't fear the police. And I, I had this quote going like, fear the police. You shouldn't fear authority. If I have to impose my will upon somebody by intimidating them, what's that make me here? That makes me a bully. But I think the interesting thing is we teachers know this, and we don't impose our authority now on children. But it does seem, and this sounds weird to say, it does seem now we're the victims of the violence. It does seem that some parents are the ones at home being, you know instead of two generations ago, the parent would discipline physically the child. It sounds as if some children now are violently aggressive bullying their parents. So we have children bullying their parents. We've got children bullying their teachers. And then you've got teachers like myself who have to restrain ourselves, and I am happy to
3: do so. Yeah. But then the question comes: Is what lesson are we teaching? Yeah. Well, there certainly it certainly seems that it's not justified to be more violent to squash the violence of the pupils. It was really interesting because you, um, something that I'd not even heard of that you put me into contact with earlier on in the week was this um, the lead petrol, the, the, the environmental <laughs> oh, kind yeah. of causation. Okay, how, how, how that could air pollution? Air pollution g- g- causes g- more violence. Yeah. I tell you what also causes it weather,
1: um, breezy days. Yeah. There's a there's a wind in in California called the Santa Ana. And the Santa Ana is a dry wind that comes off the 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 um, the Sierra Nevada Mountains. Geography lesson yeah. And when that Santa Ana wind blows, murder rates in L.A. go up by a third. Um, Brisbane, we talked about earlier on, they call it going tropo. When they have got the tropical cyclones, whatever the weather does, yeah. it actually interferes with, with the brain, and they, it sends people a bit lappy. Yeah. They actually have a nickname for it, trading, so it's, it's called it going troppo. Yeah. The people get a little bit wound up when the hot weather comes, and the hot sticky weather comes. So envir- in the environment, and I think the school physical environment, I was having this conversation, funny with my head teacher, about where a school is built for three 400, but we have 700 in. What does that happen when you have the corridors jam-packed? What does it happen when you've got 33 kids instead of a classroom, instead of 26, 27? If schools are becoming slightly more aggressive, is it because of the environmental conditions? Is it because of the way that we're taking is it because of the lack of SEND provision? Is it because of the lack of staff? Is it all these little... And I use the David Brailsworth. Do you ever hear of David Brailsworth? No, he's the, um, he, was a British, he was a British trainer in the 2012 Olympics. He's actually from the area very close to where we are now. And he was the one who came up on marginal gains. And his theory was like, you know, if you do marginal things, like you go off on a a track meet and you bring your own pillow with you. Mm. And you bring your own pillow, you get a better night's sleep here. What food did you eat? And he was talking about changing the wheel of the bicycle. And he was nudging out every little thing was perfect. The British team won so many medals because they had everything where they slept, how they ate, their training regime, the time they got out of bed. Everything was was so perfect that they reckoned they could eke out more times. And some other teams were accusing the British team, the cycling team, of cheating, and it wasn't. It was just that he had eked out. And I think that's what's wrong with schools, is we're not set up. We've got hungry kids. We've got kids coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. We're all piling together. We've got staff shortages. We've got buildings not fit for purpose. We've got corridors which are cramped and out of date. We've got technology that doesn't work. You've got teachers who are having to do bureaucratic
3: nonsense. They're up to all hours in the morning. So what does that lead to? Stress. Yeah. So, you say the also you're saying the stress put on the system, the old, the old fashioned engineering stress yeah. of it's literally there's too much weight on it. I mean, that's how engineers would talk about stress, And people snap. That everything's bending. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, the, so literally yeah. the breaking points of violence um, that we see for lots of reasons. We saw with the Tottenham riots or whatever. there, there becomes a tipping point. It becomes one thing that yeah. breaks the strong, yeah. breaks the count's yeah. back. So, so are schools in that position? Do you think with overcrowding I think orange, they are. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we
1: are dealing with stress more, and I think that stress comes out in in the low level type of stuff that we're talking about. I do think the high level stuff doesn't happen. I think culturally mm-hmm. now, I don't think our children resolve their problems the same way that we would have resolved our problems. Mm-hmm. I think they're culturally less violent. I think we've trained them not to be, even from an early age. Yeah. You know, most parents now turn around and children, saying, "Well, my, my child hits my my, my child hits my other child." They get a they get a lesson. And you don't hit your sister.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, behind my parents' backs, my brother and I. Oh my word! Yeah. My brother and I. You know, my cousin and I. I never forget. My cousin used to think he was a ninja. He was watching those ninja movies in the nineteen yeah. eighties, and he, he once turned around to me and he was like, "No retreat, no surrender."
3: I you are not Chuck Norris. We just <laughs> not. Yeah. But that's how we were. Because we? it was always that theory with young boys, wasn't it? The best thing for them would be to go to a boxing club. And uh, always go, yeah, go somewhere to be by get the energy out. Yeah. Get,
0: get that.
1: And you see a lot of schools now; they're cutting down on the amount of play, yeah, the amount of PE, the amount of times they can actually get that energy out. I will tell you, one of the best things for my mental health was, and it's still yeah. Friday night football. I go on a football pitch. And I get rid of all my excess energy and everything else. But lead petrol—here's the interesting yeah. one. What, did you, what, 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 what,
3: did you discover after I put you on this thing? Well, I was looking at the data from—I was looking at a Forbes uh, magazine, particularly article about it. Um, so I just—I just literally just closed it down to it. But the—I just posted it up on Twitter for anyone who wants to kind of have a look at this. Um, I mean, the article is over ten years old, uh, but the graph and the data show that. Um, uh, at the peak of um, the peak of lead poisoning in the nineteen sixties, early seventies, um, violent crimes um, per hundred thousand people were at its peak as well. So literally, the two graphs are almost completely correlated uh, with each other. So um, the, the the gas lead in tons versus uh, violent crimes per hundred people are yeah. almost identically um, um, correlated. The only thing I would say. Uh, with this, is that uh, the gas lead buttons has completely nosedived, mm-hmm. and violent crime hasn't completely no. completely gone. No, uh, it's, it's kind of just kind of tail is tailed off uh, at around kind of um, the zero point nine zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hasn't gone all the way down to the zero point two. Line. No. So, so violence still exists. So, it doesn't. It can't account for all of violence. No, so but it's, there's it's, it's, a strong. It's, it's, a mathematician yeah. said there's a strong positive correlation yes, yeah. between lead in the atmosphere,
1: and also the amount of violent crime. What's also interesting about it is that lead has a very strong impact upon ch- children's brain development, and levels of aggression. And otherwise, either you know, in other words, children exposed to lead poisoning, are more likely to be violent and aggressive. Yeah. And that hypothesis is well, well found, yeah. and of course, that's lead poisoning as well. But you've also got things like air pollution, it's well documented that air pollution causes
3: more aggression yeah. and more violence, because so again, it's, it's the, the chemicals in that. So that would be like, for example, that School Week report showed that um, assaults on, on teachers, for example, uh, from pupils are much higher in large urban centres, such as, With, Man- they, they, quoted, they quoted Manchester. Uh, But I don't know if they didn't have the data for Birmingham. But then if you said to
1: me, are you more likely to get teacher assaults in a leafy suburb, you know, in a a middle class area in the leafy suburbs of the showers, are you more likely to have that in urban or the city, Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool, where you have more crime? Do you think that might be connected more to the crime, the social statistics, the deprivation, the air pollution? There's so many. Different. And this is where your researchers at the places like university should be unpicking all this, because yeah. I think these are the hidden costs in society. I think these are the hidden costs in school, and again, linked to the likes of diet. You talk about diet, you mm. talk about nutrition, because I think that affects people's behaviour. Yeah, you know, child course, coming in yeah. no breakfast, and they're tanked up on some energy drink. They're more likely to have, you know, more likely to flip if they're not. I mean, you talk about sleep patterns. Mm. You know, people who don't don't sleep are more likely. And our kids are our kids are zombies at the moment because yeah, of technology. Yeah. You talk about the fact that there's the difference is that they don't have downtime like we had downtime, yeah. or switch off time, because they're wired into the technology. Yeah. They're getting this constant stream. So as far, I mean, my my thing is, if people are telling me that children are more violent, I have to ask the question what is creating that violence violence. because it's not lead petrol any longer so if that is the case and that we have more violence increasing in schools and schools are more violent places and i don't think they are but i do agree i think there is definitely more violence against adults from children Mm. i definitely think there is definitely more teachers being reciting the case of either being verbally assaulted physically assaulted physically threatened i've got colleagues who've been threatened in their own homes
3: yeah
1: and that seems to be happening a lot more and that's parents as well I, I, I think the profession itself and the game goes down with maybe, maybe the profession in the past never got this grief because we got, and this is, I can trust my wealth, we got respect to the fact that we were feared. Yeah. I feared my head teacher. I did what I was told for my head teacher because I feared him. And I often, I often get a bit mortified when my year sevens turn around and, and they always, they get the year 11 and they go, you're quite softy, sir. And I went, of course, you but we were scared of you in year seven. And I'm like, why? I try and work that out I i'm no different all the way through i don't i don't change i don't like go hard in year seven go easy in year 11 yeah. i'm still the same person but what it is is because they're not used to a male teacher yeah because so at primary a culture shop definitely there's a culture shop yeah. and i'm a little louder and a little bit more military in, in some of my behaviorism because i do adopt a little bit of bf skinner's behaviorism i am a, a slant type teacher not completely i am a you know, tuck your shirt in. I do micromanage the children, quite, and I'm quite firm with them. I wouldn't say I'm quite I'm quite firm, mm. which sometimes has led some of my colleagues to then say, ooh, you're a bit sort of old school with them. Yeah, I am. Mm. But I don't walk the kids and say, if you do that again, if you do that again, you and me, Sonny Jim, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not the way that the teachers were with me when I was a child. Yeah. But if you are disarming, if you're, if you're questioning someone like me who's got good behaviour management, and I've had pushback sometimes. I will get pushback. Mm. But is that's is that what's happening and some teachers are pushed back that far that the children feel so emblazoned and so emboldened that they can physically intimidate us. Yeah. and what, what can we respond with oh, I'll give you detention who cares you See you see what i'm saying well, have well, we well, become
3: detentions are an interesting one aren't they i'm not sure whether what do you think about detention generally as a, be, as a behavior tool? all it doesn't solve the problem so, no, of course it doesn't
1: Um not when they're laughing going so what so, so i can fall asleep for 20. Yeah. i get some kids who love detention you know why do you know why they look at detention? They fall asleep for a half an hour and they're
3: knackered because they're up all night. Yeah, and, and also, there's also those kids who just don't want to go home, so they use detention as just a way of staying in school yeah. uh, as well. And uh, then meeting their mates after the detention, so yeah. it's, like, it's all a bit of a joke to them. Yeah, well, I remember that in a previous school where they did a, kind of, the, the, the whole school in the hall of detention, and it just became like a I mean, bit of a joke. Well, it most parents a, will it, tell it, you. It's yeah. like a
1: social, it was a social thing. You want to punish the child, I get the parents' even, and I'll, I'll joke with the parents and say. And I know, I know they're trying to do the best job possible. He says, well, maybe think some revision done for their GCSEs. Where's the, where's the Xbox con- box controller at the moment? The parent's like, the three Xbox controllers are already in my back of my car. He says, why three? He says, well, we've got to three because he got one. He went and sneaked off and got another one, and he went and sneaked off and got another one. Mm-hmm. So they gave of cat and mouse going on with this kid and the mm-hmm. parent. But I can't blame the parent. The parent's at the point now where they basically keep confiscating the children's child because they know the punishment happened yeah. or something really affects the child mm. so their headphones have been confiscated their Xbox controllers yeah. this is a 15 year old boy Yeah. But, but what's to stop that 15 here's the thing what's to stop that 15 year old boy going hey mum give me those Xbox controllers or else yeah which leads us on nicely do you know with the Andrew yeah. Tate stuff and all that kind of stuff and the online stuff is there a lot more of that going on where children are encouraged you know what, I man, you're hearing that a lot more, and, and that is it's a story I want to share yeah. with you, which actually scares the life out of me a little bit. So I, I
3: just I just wanted to bring in one thing, though, while, while we're talking about kind of video games and consoles, you mentioned the border case mm. uh, on your LBC call, and uh, obviously when I was growing up, that was the big thing, was the video nasties are causing young children to be more violent. Uh, where do you think we are with that debate at the moment with the video game industry? and home movers and that type of thing. I think that's still is, is a link that's, obviously there. there's a big lockdown afterwards with um, making sure video games have the right to focus on them. And obviously the wider public was much more aware of video games generally. I think uh, certainly eighties, the they kind of snuck in and got, my, my parents wouldn't have known about video games and Terminator 2. Well, the thing
2: is, as I saying
1: to you, you know, my cousin was was fascinated by martial arts, and there was a whole lot of, and everybody was out doing, you know, Daniel, everybody thought they were Daniel LaRusso, you know, Cobra Kai, back in the 80s. I mean, there's the old back in the 80s thing. But the 80s had, when you look at the movies of the 80s, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Predators, the the Terminators, the Diehards, we were in more of a gratuitous violence, sort of like, violence was fine. You you look at the standards at the time, the gore, you Look at the movies that were quite gory, your Freddy, Freddy, Freddy Krueger stuff and stuff like that. But we as kids were trying to sneak a watch of that. You know, we we, we were always, you know, trying to sort of like uh, quite innocently. You know, eighteen movies were were snuck around the, the, the um the, the school. Yeah. So kid, we had one kid in particular, Barry, and Barry was like our unofficial kind of recorder of everything that was dodgy. You know, what I mean? yeah. so Barry, we're like, you Barry, you got a videotape of that, yeah, and and, and literally he like. Whatever you want, whatever movie you want to watch. But we were told our generation was being corrupted by violent rock music, Iron Maiden, Megadeth, Metallica. And you look at all the stuff of the covers with that's quite satanic, yeah, it's quite yeah. it's quite dark and everything else. But that was the thing, is it that that's why I use the Socrates quote because my generation was supposed to be corrupted by, you know, violent aggressive music, rock music, um, and of course then massively corrupted by these video nasties and these horror movies and then when computer game consoles came in it was then you know that that switched into the computer game consoles and i always remember for instance america's a big problem with this about you know the um the Marilyn Manson was the trigger for the violent attacks in america and i think there are societies in a different place and i've got the, this this new story completely blows out of the water my assertion that our children aren't violent because i don't think they are but this completely you know takes my hypothesis and puts it in the blender So police suggest they have prevented school massacres, reveals Dukes. Matt Dukes, the head of counter-terrorism policing, says that school massacre plots inspired by US rampages have been repeatedly prevented by British police in recent years. Right. The UK's most senior counter-terrorism officer warned that investigators were finding an increased amount of material glorifying school shootings shared by young people online in the UK. Speaking at Scotland Yard, briefing he said the UK is facing threats and that the hundreds of reports about potential school attacks have been made to the police terrorist hotline, which he said was driven by the visibility of the attacks in US. In other words, is it only a matter of time before we have a blade, or sorry a, a kind of Columbine um, school massacre in, in the UK? I mean, it wasn't one recently, wasn't it? it? was a five-year-old, a five-year-old in America that held a teacher at gunpoint, I think. And again, you can could, you could sort of surmise, is society becoming more aggressive? Is society becoming more violent? Are our children more violent? What's fueling that? Is it, is it the youth? And, and again, I, you may have a very valid point, um, the LBC presenter, when he said, this young, he said, Brent, and I'll concede that point when I didn't concede then, maybe this is happening some more younger children. But why is that? Is that because of parenting? Is that because of society? Is it because of the internet? Is it because of the technology? Is it because of people targeting these children, using them? And I I don't know the answer to the question because I, I still I still maintain that our children are less violent as a whole, but the worst cases are 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 shocking, and when you hear that you sort of say to yourself this is one of the reasons why we potentially do lockdowns don't we schools mm-hmm. now do lockdowns like they do fire drills and in those lockdowns it's interesting you know you get the windows closed you know, and and be interesting to see how often that happens around the country um but why do schools do lockdowns do we do lockdowns in the in the prevention of is that coming from people like this yeah. who are basically saying to us we have credible intelligence that there could be potentially someday a child walking around, a child walking around the corridors of a British school, trying to do uh, an a, a, a assault on other pupils. Yeah. And is that only is a matter, I mean, when that happens now, and I hate saying this, when that happens now, then will society turn around and go, what's happened? Will we then go, you know, we, would we, we, will we then go, that's it, yeah. you know, we now have to take in these yeah. measures? Because here's the irony of this, I grew up with terrorism, surrounded by it, with my windows coming in during a terrorist attack, and yet we didn't do drills. And I, I do think we do have a lot more sensitivity and a lot more publicity of things like this, which can amplify and create that narrative, which children are more violent, or am I wrong? Are they? Are more violent, and, that, and I don't think I've resolved I don't think we can ever resolve yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's,
3: it's, it's very challenging. I think all you can do is just present the evidence. I think, kind of, our plea to the DOE today really is can we have some data? Uh, it'd be really good to get some current data peer on uh, peer, peer on peer of what is going on in schools at the moment in terms of violence because otherwise, in the, in the void of any um you know, data, people start speculating. But how can they, start, they do policy? Yeah. How can they solve a problem that they don't admit exists? And then how can you then we resolve? don't know we don't know there's a problem they do that? I mean this is the point. But it, is, it, is there a problem? there is well, well we get yeah. anecdotally from from asking uh staff, but again, as we've discussed today, it's very difficult to get a handle on what is classified as a Um so that needs to be worked out first, isn't it? How do we categorize because none of those reports categorize assaults. But the thing that they always yeah. do is, and
1: this is what I, I get upset about, they seem to think, the young people need to educate, well, what's the school teaching them? What's the school teaching them? What's the school teaching them? And they seem to think, let's pull all these kids in school, and we'll somehow wave a magic wand. Yeah. I can, I, I and I'm, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, I can deliver a very emotive lesson on the Holocaust, mm. where I did this week, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I cried. It's very emotionally draining, And some of the students cried with me when I delivered a really highly powerful um, lesson on Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And I poured a lot of emotion into it. And and they walked out and every one of them walked out, thanks sir. And they got it. Now I can deliver that lesson and know, and I have had this situation for the last 18 years. and know that within a couple of years, one of those students who walked away and walked out of there, got that message, was back into society and is there with combat 18. Mm -hmm. What do I do with that? Yeah. Do I say I failed? We schools cannot mm-hmm. be society dumping ground. Mm-hmm. We cannot keep absorbing the problems as if we made the magic wand and the government solution is the prevent strategy, for instance. Or oh, we'll do a prevent strategy in schools. What, what do they want us to do? They want us to socially change the conditions, they want us to be social workers. We, we cannot keep doing this in isolation. We need society's problems to be resolved. We need schools to be part of the problem, but the government keeps keep Gen keep basically not admitting there's a problem. We have children in our society falling through the cracks. There are some who I believe have mental health problems. And those, some of those violent attacks might be driven because those children's needs are not met. Yeah. And if those children's needs are not met, then what happens is NHS is not meeting their needs because they're under pressure because of what is happening to them. That child comes into school not getting their CAMS appointment and as a result of that they have a situation with a member of staff which causes the member of staff so much grief now you have the member of staff going off what i'm saying to you there's a causality and a knock-on effect where we are taking a hit within education and then society turns to us and says "Oh, these children these days and you think well we're not helping them are we we're just patching them up yeah. we're patching them up and putting them back out there and then condemning them but we're not resolving the problem. And those people out there think that national service are battering children will solve the problem, they're living under a false assumption because that will create a different set of problems. Yeah. And that's not resolved. So again, bleeding heart liberal, social scientist in me, wants to understand what's going on, but I'd like the people in charge to be having this discussion and sitting down with people like you and me, sitting down with social service, sitting down with the police, yeah. sitting down with all of those, the same we would a team around a child, mm. sitting down around all our children and saying, what is going wrong in our society with our children? Where is safeguarding? Because they keep
3: talking about how important safeguarding actually is, but I think but we, of course, because that's what parents want to hear, isn't it? You you, yeah, you, you want to hear as you walk into school now, I and mean, straight away you see who the safeguarding team is. As you work in the what, and they have never worked so yeah, hard. Yeah. They're overloaded. Yeah, I mean, my you know, our, our safeguarding
1: team are, are so overloaded. I cannot fault the job that they're doing, and it's such a horrible job they have to do sometimes. And that's the problem is I think a lot of our children are vulnerable out there and they're being picked up by people who want to manipulate them mm. and that's society failing them and then when they commit a crime they're condemned not and, and yes people should be punished for the consequences that end of their actions I do think that people need there has to be consequences difference between punishing people as a prevention and I don't think that works punishing people after the event doesn't work try and stop the event it's the same as classroom management yeah. Rather if you if you create your classroom culture and classroom climate as such, you don't need and you shouldn't need to punish a child mm-hmm. because you've got you've got a good working relationship with the children yeah. and there are clear boundaries and there are clear consequences. So it's the same as everything else. Isn't yeah. it? If society has clear boundaries, so society has clear rules, and I think it hasn't helped the last couple of years and the people in charge themselves have been saying what well, you you follow the rules, you follow the rules, yeah. we don't follow the rules, and I do feel really sorry for the likes of the police at the moment because they're getting it everywhere. Everybody. You mean there's a bunch of people out there who want the police to go in heavy-handed and there's not a bunch of people out there who want the police to sit down and talk to people i think they're pulled between the rock and a hard place and again that needs to be discussed about what kind of measures does society tolerate should do we want to go back to a time where the only way that children will behave is that we literally threaten them into into behaving and therefore telling them the message that the only way to behave is the threat of physical violence. Yeah. Is that really as a society where we go to and say, that's the only thing that works. If that's the only thing that works,
3: then we have to be prepared for all the problems that creates. True. But I, I, you know. yeah. Well, as we come to the end of the show, we've got a couple of minutes left. I think it was a, it was a big ask to try and get to the end of it. The poll is now um, 76%, 24% um so that's our kind of anecdotal uh, (laughs) our anecdotal policy but again thank you very much for uh, tuning in today um this show has been brought to you in partnership with uh, john Cat education a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the uk and beyond have you checked out their latest releases Uh, don't miss out and you can do that by going to uh, John Catt's bookshop to explore a full range of titles, advance and advance your own professional development today. Some cracking titles on there, including um, toxic schools. Um, so this is, links in nicely with what we're doing today. Um, obviously my afternoon already booked out applying to be assistant head at a school in Sheffield. Do you have the enthusiasm? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm oozing, I'm oozing ready. Um, how to avoid them and how to, how to leave them. Uh, uh, Ross Morrison McGill and Helen uh, Woodley. It sounds like a fantastic read. Uh, Pretender schools um, and section eight twenty eight. I think we've covered this book before. Haven't mm. we? I think we're looking at we were looking at doing a show on this, weren't we? Um, I think so. At some um, stage, but, right, have
1: uh, a, I'd like to build up to that yeah, one and have a couple uh, of guests. But,
3: on. Kath, but Catherine Lee, uh, that's now released. It was released on the third book. It's called uh, Pretended, which looks great. Um, if you, um, uh, Tom has already put a couple of tweets out this week about uh, joining the team at uh, um, Teacher Talk Radio. Um, we're always looking for new presenters to so come and join us. Um, so, um, and there's some great shows coming up. We've got, um, is it Nick Lindley? Yeah. Um, who's doing the Wednesday Light Late Show um, every other week starting on the 22nd of Feb. And um, Sunday is a busy day for Teacher Talk Radio. Uh, this morning, our weekly review um, with um, show with Tom, Ben, and Nathan and um, Lenaine. Yeah, L- yeah. here, sorry. Uh, crumbling buildings, strikes in Wales, abusive language in our classrooms. Maybe there's some link there mm-hmm. with what we were doing. Um, next week, um, Brent's got a debut. Uh, he's, he's really kind of working the working the airways. Um, um, so what show is that for? Though? That's the weekly review.
1: Gosh. So I'll be on there with uh, the weekly review next week, and, and then and then obviously we'll have our show after that as yeah, well. Busy, so like Sunday is my teacher talk radio day. Uh, mod's only later on, the twilight show, uh, and Tom's got a really good show tomorrow uh, lined up about parent and student responsibility. Uh, he's got said he's got some special guests for that, and, and that's a really good one to tune into as well. Um, what else we got coming up? Well, you can also listen back to us, of course, and um, where you get your podcasts. Sure, like and obviously subscribe as well to Teacher Talk Radio. Listen out for any of our shows in Twitter space they see the pop up as well. Have a look at our schedule. Um, and obviously, um we, we're always here every Sunday for the, the one o'clock slot as well. We've got just a big reminder, we've got the hustings coming up of yeah, the NEU. Um that's Daniel and um Neve, Neve Sweeney and Daniel Kabidi. Um they're both head going head to head um for the single leadership of the NEU um, which one of the questions I'd like to ask them was like can you join your forces? Two <laughs> are better two are better than one. But we will go from, from from Kevin Mary, as many of my colleagues do point out that, that Kevin Mary seems to contact them more than their own mother because they seem to send a text message every day. I mean yeah. they are, yeah. Uncle Kevin and Auntie and, and, and Mary as, the, as I like to call them affectionately. And um, and equally they are stepping down as the NEU leadership. I think there's gonna be a lot of changes in, in, in educational leadership. Um, and I think our current education minister seems to have lasted longer than most. So, yeah. so who knows where how long um, Gillian Kegel lasts last for as well. Um, last thing then is, is of course, keep this debate open. I, I think I'd like to come back to this debate. I think this is one of those that's going to be long running. Um, I, I have my view on it, and I, and, I, and I hate to admit, then, if it is true that our young people are becoming more violent, because I don't like to think that they are. It is a bit of a sad sort of um, state of affairs. Um, but I think coming from beyond this, it, it would be a question I would like to ask some politicians, um, and, I, and I think that's what I'm, I'm going to write my letter to my MP and as afterwards about exclusions, about violence in schools, about post-COVID. Yeah. I think there's a definite thread that's come out of this that has to have a follow-up of why are so many teachers leaving? Why are there so many attacks in schools? I don't think anybody centrally is capturing all this data, and I do believe, cynically speaking, it is because I think it will present a picture of schools under stress. Mm-hmm. and I think it's no point saying if things are more violent we have to figure out why and, and, and I suppose that's the bigger question somewhere along the line so please follow up to this uh, follow up to our Twitter poll send us a message as well if you we want to keep this debate going I think this will be a long running one we might come back to yeah. uh, and if you, you want us to, to uh, answer
3: any questions on it then by all means please drop us a line so thanks for listening enjoy. and yeah, enjoy your half term if you're about to go on half term I um, hope you rested. those are coming back up term. And I wish they'd sort the holidays out so, can, so teachers can actually meet up. And, uh, you know, certainly if you've got younger children. I, I haven't seen my um, nieces for a while because of broken half-terms and Christmases and that type of thing. So it'd be good if we can get them linked together. All anyway. right, anyway, have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.